In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all can have a seat. Amen and amen. Welcome, you all. It's good to have you uh, here with us at Christ the King and to be able um, to worship together on Christmas Eve. A Merry Christmas Eve to all of you. If we've not met, uh, my name's Ashley. I'm the priest and pastor here. And um, we had a rather raucous affair at four o'clock with all of the littles and uh, open flame. And so um, <laughs> I'm just really grateful to be here and be as calm as I am right now in this particular moment. Um, I feel really thankful to um, mark this time with you all. Uh, this is, of course, the fourth Sunday of Advent um, and Christmas Eve happening um, all at the same time together. So that typically isn't the case uh, for us in the Anglican Church anyway. We, um, we have four Sundays, full Sundays of Advent, and we get to do the Advent thing, and then you know, we come together again on Christmas Eve, and we do the Christmas Eve thing. And uh, so tonight, what we've um, done is sort of bring it all together, both um, our fourth Sunday of Advent liturgy and bits, and then on Christmas Eve. And I was, um, you know, for example, the processional is not something typically that we do on Christmas Eve, but we've been having a professional, a pr- professional, a processional uh, throughout Advent as a way of like sort of visually and visibly reminding ourselves of the fact that God did choose, like at a certain moment in time, to enter into the world, to come into our space, and that a space without God in it and a space with God in it are different spaces. And that that decision has changed us, all of us. It's changed everything. And the procession is a way of like being reminded of who he, he is, his heart, which is to be in the midst of his people and to come to wherever it is we are. So we've been like sort of watching that together uh, throughout Advent. It's the gift of some of these traditions as they help us see things that maybe we know here but are prone to forget. 
And the whole point of Advent is to ponder the meaning of it all, the significance of it all. Why does it matter? You know, what difference does it make anyway? It's our waiting season, Advent, our time of preparation. And what's interesting about tonight is that that season of waiting and preparing is now going to give way to a season of rejoicing and celebrating as we celebrate together the coming of, of Jesus, as we celebrate Christmas and we sort of ring it in together, you know? here. It's a threshold time, in other words. We're going to cross over tonight. And we've been thinking together about time kind of throughout Advent and the significance of it, but I was thinking about, you know, today as I was just that, you know, you kind of cross over from one moment into another, and so much of life, we're doing that. We're crossing from one moment into another without realizing it or noticing or paying attention. And so I think the beauty of the liturgical calendar, the gift really, is to call us to pay attention tonight as our waiting season gives way to our celebrating season, to notice it, to think about it, to reflect on it. What does it mean when your waiting gives way to rejoicing? To leave one space and enter into another. And the fact of it is, whether we're paying attention or not, whether we can take it in or it means anything to us or not, um, it will be Christmas all the same. You can't stop the clock, as it were. Whether we're mindful of it or paying attention to it or not, time, one time, is giving way to another. So our waiting will give way to our rejoicing. Advent will give way to Christmas in the same way that the night has to give way to the dawn, whether anybody is up and ready for it or not. The sun comes. Similarly, with pregnancy, keeping with the sort of story of the moment and the analogy for Advent, you know, pregnancy is going to give way to delivery, whether you're ready or not, whether you're prepared to receive this baby or not, whether your heart's still full of the meaning of it all or not. The baby comes, morning comes, Christmas comes, and so we are gathered here tonight to try to notice to be on the threshold together. Okay, God, when you shift and I leave one season of my life, can I notice when I'm leaving one season and entering to another? Can I be ready for that? Would you know the difference? Can you mark time and keep step with God in that way? This is our practice, I think. Kids, only really care about tomorrow morning. We've been going through the Advent devotional with my sons at night, and they, they're fine with it. And I think they like us all praying and sitting together. But we all know what it's all really about for them, don't we? Tomorrow. And we were all gathered um, here earlier, and I was, I was asking some of our kids, you know, what, what's tomorrow? At Christmas. Are you going to open presents tomorrow? Yes. You open presents tomorrow. Is it your birthday tomorrow? No. <laughs> Whose birthday is it tomorrow? Maris, do you know? Whose birthday is it? Do we know? Who? It's not your birthday tomorrow. It's Jesus' birthday tomorrow. We'll celebrate Christmas and we'll celebrate Jesus' birthday. 
And interestingly enough, you know, we're going to get all the presents on his birthday. And um, that's exactly the way that it should be. Because actually, you know, God doesn't so much need the stuff after all. And the greatest joy, I'm reminded every single year, one of the reasons that I will sort of never get over who Jesus is, um, is his just sheer love of us. He just loves us so much. The joy of living, the joy of being human, the joy of celebrating good things together. And so your delight, a child's delight on Christmas morning and opening the presents, we've, we are fools. We've lost our way and ourselves if we think that God has any higher joy than watching all of us celebrate one another, love each other. It is his greatest gift to receive. Our love, not just for him, but for one another. Not just, of course, in the receiving of gifts, but being able to give them. That's what it's all about. And it really is, you know, not, not trite, not small, maybe familiar, but sometimes, you know, the familiar things, you have to, it's like being married for 20 years as I have been. Sometimes, you know, the gift is being able to, like, look at the same face and then suddenly and without realizing it, catch something new or different. And that's Christmas for me, you know, every year. And I know that like the greatest gift that I've ever received is this love that is God's love, I believe in my heart. And I would not be the same person without. I know, I remember. This love that Jesus came to give to us which, you know, you can write in a card or put in a commercial and it's, we can forget. But y'all, the incredible capacity, the world-bending, death-defying, joy-giving love that lives in the heart of the Christian person by virtue of the Spirit of Jesus is no small thing. What a great and glorious gift we have received. And the way we celebrate this gift that we have been given, of course, is to try to give that same love to the people around us. That's that's the call. So I made all of the kids at four pinky swear that they would not only receive their gifts tomorrow, but that they would, for Jesus' birthday, give gifts of love, telling the people that they love, thank you, and that we love you. And I promise you, that will be harder than you think it is to do tomorrow with purpose and intentionality. It always is. Why is it always so hard to just be mindful, to just pay attention and look at the people closest to us who know us and hold all of our secrets and all of our pain and annoy us and this life, you know, this precious life. What a gift to just acknowledge it the gift of loving one another. So we get to do that tomorrow. And I pray that you will and that you do. Open the presents, watch the movies, do all the things. But hold on to some time and some space to look at people, to remember that for Jesus anyway, it was worth everything that he went through just to help us pay attention, to know how loved we are, 
to really feel it, to receive the love of God so that we could give it. It's all worth it to him, his highest joy. <sighs> Grown-ups are prone to forgetting things. Getting older and getting wiser are not the same. And sometimes I think I fear that it will be the simplest things that I'm most prone to forgetting. We are not too old or too wise to need reminding that we have to choose to receive this love, this gift that is Jesus. We have to choose to receive it. Mary had to choose to receive it. That's part of the story. That is the story. The angel comes to Mary and tells her this wild thing. And in, without any capacity to possibly understand what it meant for her or what it meant at all, she receives it. And because she chooses to receive this God without understanding, without having made sense of it, just, you know, sheer faith, hope begins to grow, quite literally, of course, in her. And this is our model of discipleship. She was the first one, of course, in whom the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, and hope of him became a thing. And she carried that hope and that light and all of that who would become Jesus, that love. She carried it quite literally, two people in Bethlehem, in her case, who were not ready to receive it, who didn't make room for it. They didn't know to. And I was thinking about that a lot. You know, we live in a world who has, that has not made a lot of room for faith and for love, at least this kind, and for hope. And so in the same way, we have to like try to carry it into a world that is not trying to make room for it. This great gift that we have and hold this treasure in jars of clay. Trying to just like take it into a world and everybody's like, no room here. And what's so great to me about Christmas is that Mary just finally decided to lie down and have him any old place. You know, it's like, well, he's coming one way or another, whether you want to make room for him or not, or whether there's a place and it's all, he's coming because that's who he is. He wants to be with us even when we aren't ready to make room for him. That was true then, and it's worth remembering and noting together now. And so the church calls us to ask ourselves the question, like, can we make room? Is there any room for God in these lives as we live them? And if we know deep down that the answer is no, then what are we going to do? Hope must be born in and among us. We all know that. So what will we do to make room for it? Jesus moving into places in, that need hope. I was thinking about, couldn't help but think about, we've been singing about Bethlehem all night long. Bethlehem is an, a, a place 
then and now. And now there will be no Christmas festivities this year happening in Bethlehem. They won't light their trees and they won't sing in the streets. So when the Christians do gather, and they will, as they have done for centuries in Bethlehem, um, when the Christians of Evangelical Lutheran Church come to church tomorrow morning and gather around their nativity, which would, of course, traditionally hold baby Jesus in a manger, what they will um, see instead is not baby Jesus lying in a manger, but baby Jesus lying on top of a pile of rubble that the pastor himself has made. He went and gathered bits of the concrete and bits of twisted steel from Gaza so that they could make this nativity and have it in their church and put Jesus there and worship him that way. And when someone asked him why he was doing this, um, he said, because for weeks now we have watched our children being pulled from the rubble. God is in the rubble. This is where we find Jesus now. And I was thinking about, you know, for them it's so literal. Jesus being in the midst of the rubble, in the midst of brokenness, you know, that's a very tangible, very real thing. And as I was thinking about that, you know, it it just occurs to me, it's like, you know, that's just always been it though. Maybe that's the most appropriate nativity scene there's ever been. A pile of brokenness. And Jesus there, being born into it. Because, of course, he was born into rubble, our, the brokenness of the world. Jesus came and was born into it, and he lived in it, and then he died in it. And it is helpful to remember today that he also, y'all, was raised in it, out of it. And that's why it's so powerful to me, because just to see an infant lying on top of rubble is perhaps poetry in its own right and means something in its own kind of way. But when that infant is Jesus, when Jesus is lying in the rubble, when he's in the midst of it, then what we know, the promise, is that he's not staying there. And then he intends to do something about the brokenness and about the rubble. So yes, he will be born into it. Yes, he will live in it. He'll die in it even. And he'll be raised up out of it because he came to give us hope and help us learn a better way. And I pray that those Christians who gather in Bethlehem have that kind of hope with them tomorrow morning. And it's the same stuff that our hope is made out of. It's what binds us together, this family of faith. It's what those in Israel also need. grieving people, all of us, and rejoicing people. It's life. We build things. 
then we tear them down. And Jesus comes, born into the rubble after we tear things down. And then he helps us build again. Hope. So I don't know what mess it is that you have made. We've made quite a big one in Gaza. All of us. All of us. I suspect your mess is different. But Jesus wants to be in it all the same. He would like to live in it, and he would like to help you find a better way out, how to rebuild, how to shine light in darkness, how to have hope. So that's why we're here. So we can be reminded that is a strong and powerful thing, and the world, y'all, has gone dark without it. The rubble would be there if Jesus never came. But because he did, there's also light and there's also hope. And I hope in Jesus' name, one day a lot less rubble. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a time of communion together which we would not typically do on Christmas Eve, but we would typically do on a Sunday. We always come to the table together. It's the best thing we do around here. And before we come to the table, we um, make time to pray. And so we're going to pray and be still for a moment. And then I'll explain communion. So come Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we push all the mess um, before you, Lord, now. In the place of frankincense and gold and myrrh, Lord, we bring to you um, all the heaviness that we carry and the sin that lives in our hearts. And we ask you, God, for mercy and help. Will you cleanse us, Lord, of our sins now, Jesus? Will you release us, Lord, from our heaviness and our despair? So that, Lord, we might delight in you and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. So that, Lord, we might also, in addition to our mess, bring before you our joy and our peace and all this love that we have because of you, because of each other. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us, all of us, and loving it. We bless you, Jesus. Be with those, Lord, who mourn and grieve and wait. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, and bring peace. In your name we pray, amen.